Welcome to the Chompcast, the official video game podcast of Sorechomp. Our mission is simple. To talk about the video games we're playing, to discuss all issues surrounding video games, and to cultivate a community of like-minded people who want to discuss gaming with each other. I want to start this episode off with a small history lesson. I want to talk about portable gaming. Now, some of you may think it starts with the Game Boy, but it actually extends further back than that. Back in 1979, the Microvision, which was the world's first cartridge-based handheld console, was released by Milton Bradley. The original design was created by Jay Smith, who is the designer of the Vectrex system, a home video game system. Due to a host of technical issues, it had a short time of success. The world saw the release of the Game & Watch and the Selecta game before the Game Boy was released on the scene in 1989. With the revolution of the Game Boy, the world saw an explosion of portable gaming, ranging from Sega's Game Gear to the Neo Geo Pocket to the PSP and beyond. The culmination of portable gaming is the Nintendo Switch, the best portable console to date. Some of us were spoiled enough in our childhood to have a portable console which definitely went with us on one or two road trips. By the way, thanks mom and dad for the Game Boy Color. Many of us have used a portable gaming device to various levels of joy. But does having a gaming console be portable actually add a ton of value to video gaming? Does being able to take it on the go add enough to the experience. After the three of us discuss it, we will read some of the listener comments. We will also discuss the games we've played this past week, such as Trek to Yomi, Phantom Brigade, and My Time at Sandrock. And we will round out the show with the results of the social media polls that you all voted on over at the Sword Chomp Instagram. But before we get to all of that, you want to get to know the people that you're going to be hearing today, don't you? Well, today I am joined by a man who has been waiting for three years. Three long years. He has visited the other side, which some people may know as the upside down, hoping for an adventure to ensue. But all he found was mold and moss. He spent a week camping there feeding on camping rations and patiently waiting for a girl with powers to arrive. After waiting with no success, he came back to our side, got in his car, and went on a road trip blaring wham the whole way. The trip culminated in him ending up in Mena, Arkansas, getting a mullet and marrying a carny. Calling in from the 80s, please welcome to the show, Rich Meister. Rich, how you doing today? Oh, spoilers alert for Final Fantasy XV with that. <laughs> they end up in Mena, Arkansas as well? Yeah. Oh, you didn't finish it? No. Yeah, it's crazy. It's wild. It was The whole game was in Arkansas the whole time. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That, that is a spoiler. Yeah, that's wild. Um, yeah. yeah. How do you like having a mullet, though? It sucks. It's the worst. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. Um, because I hate business. And I don't want to hide the fact that I need to party. Exactly. Mul- so you want, you yeah. want party in the front and business Bus- in the back. I don't want any business. 
I just want to party all around, and everybody knows that's what a pompadour is. Mm-hmm. I was just gonna ask, what haircut represents a party everywhere on your head? That's a pompadour. It's a pompadour? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, at least your hound agrees with you. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. What about a mohawk, right though? Uh, mohawk is, uh, anarchy. But that could be a party, too, right? I'm not- I still I'm not don't a- quite understand that you know, association between the Mohawk and anarchy. It, it seems like it would I think it's require a Johnny some Rodden level thing. of society to maintain that particular hairstyle. Nah, you, you don't need society for that. Um, what I am going to attribute that to... Um, Jesus Christ, sorry, there's a lot going on underneath my feet. Um, creator of the I, Pompadour. <laughs> yeah, creator, creator of the Pompadour. What I am going to attribute that to is, is one, is Johnny Rodden, and two... The Mohawk then, like, went on to stand for something. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm not a fan of? <laughs> um, you, know what I'm, uh, yeah. you know what I'm a fan of? I'm a fan of, like, the true Mohawk, where it's like, that was work. Like, you know, that took effort for you to make that happen. You know what I'm not a fan of? The Fauxhawk. Because that's a haircut that's lying about being a Mohawk. I have to admit I've had one of those in my time. Of course mm. you did. You were a white person who... <laughs> Like, that's, you exactly. have to. It wasn't probably your choice. If it was, I'm sorry. At least your taste evolved. Yeah, that, no, yeah, no, no, no. Like, my taste you needed, evolved. You needed to, you know, oversteer out of the cornrows you had right before that. Because if I, <laughs> if I, if I, if I, yeah. I've unfortunately never had those. There was some appropriation happening there. Um, If I saw you walking down the street with a faux hawk, I'd be like, get the mohawk or don't, you fucking coward. Mm. Well, here's the thing. The Fohawks are Mohawk wanders who are afraid to commit. That's true. And here's the thing. In order to know what's right, we have to know what's wrong. And what better way to know what's wrong than to experience it ourselves? Not in this situation. Um, because in this situation... Okay, what's, what's worse though, Rich? Having need- a Fohawk or having a Fedora? Because I've had oh, both. Oh man, they're both pretty <laughs> bad. They're both pretty bad. And, um, is, there, is there anything to be said for covering up the Mohawk with a fedora. With a fedora. Is it an improvement? That's the real question. Is like, is it appropriate to wear a fedora if it is to cover up your Fohawk? I, I don't think so because like imagine like imagine this mental image of you're talking with someone and you're like, dude, sweet fedora, my but lady, in your head you're thinking like douchebag and yeah, they take it off and you're like, oh it gets worse. The, the issue with the fedora is it's the only hat that you have to take off. This constantly. Is, this is it, the most It demands literal, to be tipped. This That's is the true. Mo- the most literal uh example of hat on a hat that I've ever heard. Yeah. 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 Can you That's, can you imagine think about it though. The disappointment of someone taking <laughs> off a fedora. Cuz you're like maybe he's wearing it ironically yeah. and now he's going to remove it and then there's a foam underneath realize, it. Yeah. And you're like oh no, he means it. Mhm. The only okay, here's the only time it's acceptable <laughs> to wear a fedora to cover up a fauxhawk. You went to the barber high and you accidentally told him to give you a fauxhawk. You're coming to and now you're on your way to a 1920s themed party. Mm. You can cover that up with a fedora. Because you yeah. can argue that it's it's to the theme of the party. Oh yeah. I uh for many years in college found my car by having a fedora in the back seat in the in the in the window. <laughs> sure. Because there you know there are a few cars that looked fairly similar to mine. And you'd see in it, you tip yours and you go, my lady. 
<laughs> but anyway, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't yeah. just a fedora. It was like a it was like a tweed a fedora um, and a katana with with like a with like a feather in it. Like um it 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 really it really looked like a uh like a 1960s you know black church go go to go to you know Sunday morning fedora sort of a sort of a hat there which uh well yeah. see Josh here's the problem and this doesn't apply to you at that time but you've put yourself in a real corner where most people cannot rock a fedora should not rock a fedora you absolutely cannot because you also have a ponytail you're asking for trouble mm-hmm Oh, we've all seen those those funny pictures of like the '80s of someone rocking a fedora with a ponytail hanging out yeah, in the back. Yeah, that's and, not a look that I can endorse or encourage. The ponytail's so, fine on its own because your hair isn't fucking disgusting. Like, uh, well, with with no explanation, just a quick answer, so we can move on. Sorry, which is really worse. got out of hand. The 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 fedora and you take it off and it's a faux hawk or fedora and you take it off and it's a greasy ponytail which is worse quick the answer po- no explanation the, the ponytail the ponytail is worse the greasy ponytail is worse okay josh i can't see that actually ever happening is the thing there okay so neither and like well, you're i saying can, you can't I can hide the ponytail see in the-, the fedora over a faux hawk but like Okay, so the like fedora I, I, over I, a fedora. My brain is 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 revolting at the idea of of both those things being associated with the same person. Like, how how does that happen? That's several mistakes over over one decade. Yeah, we have our answer. We have our answer. Okay, well, before we get any further, let's introduce the other voice you've been hearing this whole time. I'm also joined by a person who went on a sabbatical to the land of the rising sun. They became a rice farmer in a remote part of Japan, making an honest living. After living there for years, a ragtag group of Yankee boys raided the village, stealing much of the harvests, harvested grains of rice. In the process, the Yankees killed a few of the elderly community members. Donning a... <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through this bit. Just, I know what's coming. Donning a Hold on, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it. Hold on. Donning a camouflage set of cloth, a choice few gardening tools, and a sheer amount of hubris. This person went on one of the most grueling revenge trips the 21st century has ever seen. It was cut short. It was cut short when this person got so horny that they fucked a giant tube of wasabi and poisoned their bloodstream. Please welcome to the show, Josh Fowler. Josh, I'm sorry to hear about your your penis, but uh, how you doing? It, uh, it was more about finding a tube with an opening that size. Like, it, it... It's not easy. Yeah, yeah, I mean... That's normally not taken into consideration in in the manufacturing process. So, mm. kind of had to, you know. Yeah. It was one of the industrial grade size tubes. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it just it was it was sitting there on the side of the road, mm-hmm. lonely, afraid. Exactly. 
Tube leaves, needs love, too. <laughs> Tube needs love, too. Yeah. <laughs> How much you want to bet that there's a porno with that name on it somewhere in the world? Tube oh, that, needs no, love, too. No, absolutely. Absolutely. There's... <sighs> Yeah, there, I mean there, it's not a bad 100% thing. Hundred percent chance that there is a porno of of an extremely overconfident man fucking his way through an entire subway car. Um, <laughs> he's not actually fucking any people in there. He's just rubbing his dick on. on oh yeah, all no, the seats no, the tube itself and the the poles exactly. Oh, oh, you're talking about like the actual the transport system, like the the tube the outer of the, the tube. Yeah, yep. You know when when. T- when times get desperate and you've dropped LSD, what better way to get it in than uh, mm-hmm. rub your dick on the tube? Yep. Yeah. But I, I like... No, no, no. Know <laughs> your limits. No, yeah. but I, um, I was writing that bit last night. I was like, I don't know how this ends. I was, I was struggling really hard, and um, that's what she said. And... Then I just was like, I'm just going to take a left-handed turn. Josh is going to fuck a tube of wasabi and die. Yep. Yep. How else do you end that bit, though? Really? I... It's tough, man. Yeah. It's tough. There wasn't anything super satisfying. So I just, I had to go with the left-hand turn. But now, how was your week, man? How you been? All right. Uh, tired. I, I've, I've been I've been exhausted this week, which is yeah, yeah. Common occurrence nowadays in the world that we live in. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, but you did do something exciting this week. While it's not directly you played video games, but rather you were inspired by video games to do something else. You want exactly. to tell me about that? Exactly. Exactly. Um. I decided on stream for, uh, well, I guess Thursday and Friday because we didn't, didn't finish it first evening while streaming mm. there, that I was going to build a, uh, a Lego set on stream. And so I ended up making the, uh, the new uh, Tall Neck from uh, Horizon Forbidden West that just came out not mm. long ago on stream, which was fun for something completely different to uh to try on stream there yeah it looked like a lot of fun and you know i think that taking a break from actually just gaming on stream and just doing something a little bit more relaxing that had to have been nice yeah it was fun it was fun um may have to may have to kind of plan for that if the you know they announce anything that i'm looking forward to or or whatever it's kind of Maybe plan to do that on stream. Maybe I'll do that Optimus Prime. There you go. That looks pretty fucking cool. It does. I mean, I, I imagine those streams are really fun, but they're not cheap. You know, the Lego no, sets. No, no. Oh, but I'm gonna cheap. buy them. I'm gonna buy them anyway. So. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. I would never buy something specifically to be like, I'm going to do this for a stream. It's more like I was gonna buy this anyway. It would be fun to build it on stream. Yep. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I've I can't remember the last time I've ever bought Legos, but they always look fun. Like I'm not willing to commit, 
the money or the time. But I'm willing to commit the mental capacity to think that they'd be fun. That makes sense. The last time I, and I'm going to end up picking up this tall neck too, the last time I committed to this was, it's basically been ever since Lego Ideas has become a thing, and like we've gotten these awesome, like I spent, I want to say it was like 180 when they made Voltron, and boy was that a long and fun build. The best thing they did with that set is when you open that box, there's five individual boxes and all the lions are boxed like they're separate sets. So I was able mm. to just be like, I'm going to build the red lion tonight and then call it a night. Oh, yeah. That's kind of cool. That's kind of, yeah, that'd be kind of fun. I wonder if there, I'm sure there are, there are people out there that just literally have an overhead camera and they just solve like old puzzles. Just like thousand oh, yeah. piece puzzles. Oh, that's for sure a thing. There's people who build Gunpla, there's people who build Lego, there's all sorts of stuff, just models in general. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I wonder what the, uh, the not threshold uh how how many audience or how how big the audience is for something like that some of them for people that are pretty well known get get pretty large i think yeah i think i think that's the thing like build your community and whatever you do you'll be supported by it i I think i'd yeah i think i'd have to get the camera set up like josh had a pretty decent setup i'd need to do the same i i'd like to do some gunpla on there at one point just because i wouldn't even have to spend any money i'm sitting on like five gunpla that i still haven't built and i know we have community members that are really into that that would probably like to hang out in a stream like that oh yeah yeah Yeah, that'd be dope that'd be dope well i'm glad both of you are here um really quickly my name is shay i'm the host for today as per usual um calling in from japan it's been it's been a good week, guys. I'm glad to be here and uh, excited to talk about some games, video games. Honest. Yeah, video games. Since we are a video game podcast, after all, it's probably time we start talking about video games, right? Prove it. <laughs> well, as the intro so subtly suggested, we're going to be talking about portable gaming today. I don't really remember why I came up with this topic. It was just something that kind of came to me randomly, and I said, oh, you know, I'm just going to put it in with our, uh, our host of other topics and see what conversation comes of this. So, I mean, for us, we really got to see kind of the beginnings, like the true beginnings of portable gaming, because while some of those older consoles came out, none of them had the success that the Game Boy did. That's when it really started taking off. And that's when it became a legitimate and viable option for gaming. And so I think all of us had some form of portable consoles. I I know I had the Game Boy Color. I had the original Game Boy Advance, not the SP. I had the PSP. And then I got a 3DS or a DS Lite and then a 3DS. And then I ended up getting the switch you know so i've had a fair amount of the portable consoles and the one i probably spent the most time with besides um the advanced was probably the 3ds those are probably the ones i've spent the most time with so i think 3ds is probably that for a lot of people it had just the 3ds has such a massive and such a fantastic library um it does, but mm-hmm. I, it also got me wondering as I was like, as I came up with this topic, one of the things I was kind of thinking about is like back in the day, there were some really good games on 
on the portable consoles, you have the, the Pokemon games, especially Red and Blue, which was a revolution for those handheld um, consoles. You had uh, Zelda... I always mix these one up. It's Link's Awakening, right? No, That's well, I, yes, Link's Awakening is a Game Boy game. I feel like the one that everybody always thinks of are like the, the Capcom-produced Oracle games. Mm. Um, all of Capcom's Zelda games are on the Game Boy, and they're all fan- on the Game Boy family of consoles, and they are fantastic. Oracle Vages, yeah, Seasons, I, I Diminished just- Cap. That's true. I just wanted to talk about like the original, like the oh, one. Oh yeah, that, yeah. Of course, I, I had that um, in the chamber. Don't worry, that was like one of my first Game Boy games. Yeah. So th- there were some really good games like that, but also there were a load of what I think people would consider watered down versions of co- home console games and PC games for the sake of portability. I mean. You think about oh, yeah. some of those Dragon Ball Z advance era. Yes, and that's exactly where I was going to lead to. You think about some of the Spyro and Crash Bandicoot games that came out, um, or the Dragon Ball Z games that came out for the Advanced. Um, you think about some of the... There's some really uh, good Dragon Ball Z games on the Game Boy Advance. I'm sorry, there's one really good Dragon Ball Z game on the Game Boy Advance. There is actually a really good game of those. Um, but you think about some like the Looney Tunes and Bugs Bunny games that came out for the Game Boy Color, for example. There were so many different games that came out, but a lot of them felt like filler games or B versions or B sides, whatever you want to call it, of main games. So for me, I I was thinking about that and now, you know, with the Nintendo Switch, we've like truly merged um in a large way. Obviously there's some lack of fidelity there and lack of power with the with the Switch, but it's as close as we've ever gotten to be able to take premier gaming on the go. So up until this point has portable gaming really been that valuable? So that's kind of like where the where the um the idea of this topic came from. You know, just thinking about some of those older games and how some of them were good. A lot of them were mediocre to pretty fucking bad. So um, let's kind of delve deeper into that, Rich. When you first heard this topic, what like what was your train of thought and where were you going with that? Um. Well, the easy answer is portable gaming is completely valuable like there there is so much to glean out of that and the main thing to think of is like to your point are there a lot of crappy game boy games are there a lot of fillery like shovelware-ish crap game boy games sure the same is true of mainline consoles and the best some of the best game boy stuff is and this is less important in the modern day because like the technology is just in a different spot some of the best Game Boy stuff comes out of the limits the Game Boy was under because designers had to get really inventive with what they could do. Um, and on top of that, I, I think back to the Game Boy Color having some of the like best ports of other existing stuff, like mm. the uh, Super Mario Brothers Deluxe for the Game Boy Color is one of the best versions of the original Super Mario Brothers. Um, Game & Watch Color that put like a ton of the original Game & Watch games in color on the Game Boy Color is amazing. Um, the original Kirby games that are, are Game Boy exclusive games are phenomenal. Uh, just at the end of the day, I feel like the Game Boy gets a lot of crap for stuff like that because of at that time we had a lot more shovelware in general and maybe it stood out more on the Game Boy. But I think for every, you know, three pieces of crap, there's at least two like really killer games that just were 
limited by the hardware in ways that made them really inventive. Mm, okay, okay. Josh, did you have kind of similar initial thoughts to Rich, um, or did you take it kind of in a different direction? I mean, pretty pretty similar. Um, kind of like you were saying, the shovelware thing was... Um, I'm sure you, we mentioned this when we were talking about uh, briefly when we were talking about games made from movies, um, however long ago that was, about how uh, a movie would release and there'd be a game for it on every console, um, that were all just slightly different, but just had the same name. Um, so yeah, that kind of. in a lot of ways hurt the mobile or not mobile, but portable mm. image a lot right. at the time. Cause people would see those and be like, Oh man, the shittiest version is out on these handhelds. Um, um, what was the actual question you led into that with? Cause Rich was go- talking about that for so long. I don't think that's what we actually, you actually asked him to start with. But, I asked, like, the original question was, when you heard this topic, yeah. what was kind of your initial train of okay, thought? Okay, okay. And where, where did you go with that? Okay, yeah, because Rich was on that for so long. I'm like, what exactly was the lead-in to this? Uh, all right. Um, personally, uh, I didn't actually deal with a lot of that type of shovelware stuff. Um, mm. I did a whole lot more... I had to buy my own games even as a kid. Uh, And so I was pretty picky about what I ended up playing on anything. But seeing as handhelds were less expensive, I ended up playing a lot of Game Boy, especially Game Boy Color era by the time I was buying my own games. Mm. Uh, Games. Um and and usually either you know borrowing someone else's cartridge beforehand or or you know going off of recommendations uh so i don't know i i didn't have a lot of experience with just the you know whatever junk happened to be on there cuz it wasn't my parents haphazardly buying whatever the fuck they saw for these mm. games cuz they weren't buying me shit for these systems it was you know me kind of going out and deciding what i was interested in you were doing Uh, your research exactly exactly which is why i ended up playing the best version of gex on the game boy color gex jr never released (laughs) the ps1 you got a demo code yeah i like i i'm kind of conflicted for me personally with this topic like i see both of your points and i think both of you have some really good points and i reflect a lot of those i also see that like outside of a few really good games up until the 3DS that portable gaming really wasn't that valuable. I think it was I it, disagree it go- completely. Well, go. hold on. Hold and then I'll on. let you finish. I'm sorry. I, I was just blo- to you. No, no, I'm sorry. I was blown back by that statement. Please keep going. Oh, okay. Well, now I'm just going to go even further and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just to spite you. No, but um I like for me personally and I'm talking on a personal level, not an overall level, that 
a lot of the games I played, in retrospect, I remember them, and they were fun. They were good, but they were kind of a waste of time. You know, and like for me, I think about... I don't know if you've heard about all video games. But... <laughs> well, Josh, we're going to talk about a poll <laughs> later on that counters what I'm already saying. But no, um, I just feel like there were a lot of things that I could have focused on when I was younger that I kind of wasted my time playing these B-rate video games. You know, like I... Are you my dad? I could... Hmm? <laughs> Well, I mean, like, yeah, I, I kind, I've kind of come become my own, the thing I hate when I say this. But I also think about, you know, I always wanted to be better at basketball and um, mm. do other things and kind of explore my, like, different aspects of being a, a kid. And, yeah, gaming was a wonderful way to do that. And I did enjoy getting lost in video games, even if they were B-rate video games. But I think about kind of a lot of the trash video games that I played back then that I was I was devoting all this time to. And I could have, like, even if we want to just keep it strictly to gaming, there were better games that I could have played that still, to this day, I've never played, that I was busy playing trash-ass video games. You know, like, I, I never played Final Fantasy IX, for example, but I was busy playing trash-ass video games on my Game Boy Advance. But that doesn't mean there weren't good video games for you to play on your Game Boy Advance. You're not listening to what I'm saying. I didn't say that. Of course there were vid- great video games. I mean, I played Pokemon uh, Blue, and I played uh, Pokemon Gold, which are fantastic games. And I don't regret the time that I spent with those, and I still think that they've aged decently well in retrospect. I think that um, Link's Awakening was a fantastic game. Um, it's an all-time classic, and I, and I really enjoy the time I spent on that but that's not that's a microcosm of how much time I spent playing really shitty games personally okay yeah no no. I I get that but is the argument not that like portable games aren't valuable as a medium like I'm saying for myself as I as I preface this conversation on a personal level I don't see up until the point of the 3ds it really being that valuable but it would have been if you just played better games. That, you just summed up my whole point. <laughs> you just summed up my whole point. So, You're welcome, now, if, if I view it on a more, you know, general scale of gaming as a whole, I definitely see a lot more value in it because if we didn't have portable gaming, um, especially with the Game Boy, the Game & Watch, um the Game Gear, all, all the stuff that came before, we would have never got the PS Vita, which was, I think, a pretty good system. Not a fantastic system, but pretty good. We would have never gotten the 3DS, which was a fantastic system. We would have never gotten the Switch. We would have never gotten um, mobile gaming, which is also Which is horrible. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. I would. I, yeah, I know. I know, <laughs> you like to be contrary to everything. But, um... Rich Contrarian Meister. That's not... Etch it on his tombstone. But no... Please um, do. I think a lot of the, the precursor mobile... Or not mobile... Uh, portable consoles... We need to, we need to put that on his tombstone and then have a quote underneath it that says, I don't like this inscription. <laughs> there's a bit there to mine a little bit more out of i left some yes on. yeah no no we can't leave we that on, some on the table unsaid. There. Yeah, was, yeah yeah 
That's true. <laughs> but no, I, I think it, yes, it is valuable in that it paved the way for what mobile gaming and portable gaming is today. And love it or hate it, there, there, there's definitely some value in portable gaming and mobile gaming as, um, I, I agree, sir, in the background. Uh, no, I, there's a poll that I did specifically to kind of like, it's not directly related to this, but it kind of vaguely is related to the, the topic we're talking about. And I think that there are many ways to kind of take this conversation. So I want to kind of take it a step further because if, if it's just simply us saying, yeah, it's valuable or it's not valuable, that's a short conversation. So I kind of want to take it a step further, and I'll start with you, Josh. In what ways do you think portable gaming has been and is valuable and will be valuable in the future? Um, I mean, one, kind of like I mentioned at the beginning, uh, one of the reasons I played a lot more portable stuff when I was a kid, when I had to pay for it myself, was that it was a lot more affordable. Um, early on mm. uh, I mean not massively so but you know a pretty pretty good price difference between new games on a Game Boy considering or compared to like you know the PS1 or the N64 um, that has basically disappeared in the age of the Switch at this point um, although that mantle kind of got taken up and and run into the ground by the mobile space with everything has to be $2 or less video, you know, video game experiences of which most of them are horribly predatory and, or just broken in order to make that model work. Right. Um, and, and we really need to kind of bring back that $30 price point as a, yeah, viable option when making a game again as as that, like I, I i miss that i really do think that was a, one of the biggest strengths of portable gaming at the time um, absolutely is it's it was like a more affordable version of what was kind of considered a luxury item back in the day you know oh yeah 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 the the n64 the ps1 luxury items uh sega genesis and super nintendo luxury <laughs> items yeah. Um, even the PS2 and the original Xbox were luxury items. Mm -hmm. So the the mobile consoles were cheaper. Um, the the games in general that came with them were like you were saying, thirty to forty dollars instead of sixty dollar price tag. Yeah, yeah. I think not that there weren't some expensive games on Game Boy occasionally. Occasionally, yeah, and and also kind of with the rise of the rental market, uh, the consoles started doing the whole, you know, drop it to twenty bucks a year after release thing. Especially on like that that picked up on the PS2 like crazy. Like basically everything. If it was mm. you know if they printed it again after a year, it was drop it to twenty bucks. Put that green you know, tag down the side of it. Like this is, this is the, uh, you know, the good stuff We're we're, we're keeping it around after this long. And now it's a whole lot cheaper. That was kind of a good way to 
stuff that was still going to go off the shelves, yeah. Yeah, to handle that, and I think that kind of hurt mobile gaming in a way, because kind of the only the only mobile gaming to survive that, or portable gaming to survive that, was the Game Boy at the time. Everything else had been kind of kicking and struggling up until that point, and that kind of felt like the nail in the coffin for quite some time. Um, yeah, plus Game Gear you had to factor in spending $300 on batteries a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be curious to see if, um, and this is kind of jumping ahead on the conversation a little bit, but I just want to point it out here, if the Switch will kind of have any influence on Microsoft for mobile gaming, or or Sony for future, or keep mixing up mobile and uh, portable. I know, I keep That's, saying them interchangeably, and, and I know they don't I, quite mean the same thing. Same thing. Yeah. Uh, we already have, it's interesting you bring that up, Shay, um, because we already have things like the NVIDIA Shield that are like these gaming quote-unquote tablets. Um, I, when we say the Switch, you know, how could the Switch influence gaming? Uh, for those companies specifically, obviously it's influencing gaming in a number of ways. Um, right. I could see a world where in a year, two years, Microsoft has out like something that's called like the Xbox tablet or something that is literally like a proprietary tablet piece of hardware that is meant for running Game Pass on that either has halves of a three six of an Xbox one controller on the side or easily like hooks onto the top of an Xbox one controller or something like that. I don't think they're going to go all in, but I could see them doing a proprietary piece of hardware that is, this is the Microsoft tablet that is made for Game Pass. Kind of like Steam Deck, right? In, yeah, in some something ways. Steam Deck adjacent that it ha- uses the Xbox brand name. You know what I'd like to see is I'd like to see like something like that, and then to, for them to implement like the, the fold phone technology, with, but with controllers. So, like, because I think that's the biggest issue for something like that is if you want to do portable gaming to have that massive Microsoft controller. So what if they did something to where they had, like, the fold phone version of a controller so it's super compact and you unfold it and you can game on the go? If they can make something that looks good, like, I do think form factor is important. One, you want it to look good. And two, if you can get it to a point where it gets more and more compact but still has a really crisp, clear, nice screen then people are going to do that and people are going to continue to try and do that and I'm sure there's going to be a million wonky ass looking prototypes we'll never see but boy do I want to fucking see some of them I mean yeah. I think the best way around this is to not make a proprietary anything at this point um, with, with, with something as easy as the great, granted uh, because of how it's implemented this is going to depend on your connection speed at home. Uh, Steam has had the ability to stream to a phone anything that you can run on your home computer. You can just connect to it from a from a uh, you know from the network and play and you, stuff on your PC through you your can phone. Kindly, kind you can mostly do that with XCloud at this point. Yeah, well, that, and, that's what I'm saying. Like if if you know. They just made an app like, hey, you want to play anything on your Xbox from your phone? Like, here's here's how you do that. And and no, and, and that option is there. But I do still think there's value in. And let me be clear when I say proprietary off the shelf parts we're talking. Yeah, but there's still a market for the this comes in a box that says Xbox thing that oh, yeah. you can just hand to a kid and he can just fucking go. Yeah. Coming in a box is the name of my porno. But, I am um, not 
allowed to come in boxes anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, after the 27th illegitimate child you've had, Rich, I think that's probably for the best. So that, those, those are the well, notes you got after well, no, attempting the, re- the, the dick in the box gift several times. Like, you're supposed to wait till I open it. Yeah, that's you're missing the. You're, I get so the excited. Major note. The, I get so excited. Yeah, you're just very beautiful. <laughs> you're beautiful. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. Kids, ask your parents what a dick in a box. Don't, don't actually do. Ask your parents. I saw that's, this box. I'm a crowded. <laughs> we can't sing any more bars because we'll get copyright stricken. <laughs> I think we're changing enough of the lyrics. You're upsetting the dog. <laughs> Your dog really wants to participate in this podcast, and I'm all for it, to be honest with It's you. not really going to work out. Okay, well, we'll see when you come back. But um, I'll, I'll answer my own question while we wait for Rich to um, smack his bitch. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry, I told you. This episode, I don't fucking care. Mm. After the news I got before this podcast, yep. I don't fucking care. Yep. No, but uh, in all seriousness, while well, Rich goes and probably walks his dog or something, um, <laughs> not, not actually committing violence. But uh, to answer my own question, I, I, I've already mentioned how I think that portable gaming has been valuable in the past and the present mm-hmm. that it it really le- paved the way for how we see portable gaming now and so i guess to take it a step further with mobile gaming portable gaming isn't exclusive to the influence of this but with mobile gaming we've definitely seen it kind of branch out in different ways much like we've yeah. seen rpgs make their way into practically every video game imaginable now when you think about mobile gaming it a lot of people imagine the super addictive just press one button on your phone but i think that it obviously is extended out there are some really good narrative driven and um legitimately interesting phone games and mobile games out there but also i think it's kind of taken shape in the form of gamification of certain apps and some of that can be pretty predatory obviously but also it's very valuable in terms of um, gamification can be such a great motivator at, for someone to continue to succeed in whatever it is they're trying to do. I know for me, like Duolingo, and this is something I mess- messaged on the show, multi- m- mentioned multiple times on the show, by the way, not a sponsor, that it's kept me studying Japanese for as long as I have because of the gamification of that app. And that in some parts yeah. is loosely influenced by portable gaming had that not existed who knows if it people would have thought mobile gaming to be a viable market sorry josh i know you're trying to say something yeah kind of like you're mentioning with the rpg thing i think this is this is this is gaming writ large at this point um especially in the triple a space was let's we had to put progression systems in everything um whether it needed it or not, um, just because they're, you know, nice psychological rewards to keep people addicted for a long mm, time. Right. Um, and I think that has 
really kind of gotten rooted into the mobile space um, with a lot of the stuff you're saying with, with the, I mean, it, it was everywhere. It was absolutely everywhere. We had to have progression mechanics on everything. We had to have games that were impossible to put down because, oh, we just, we can't have people trading them in. Like there, there have been a bunch of horrible fucked up reasons why they have tried to make games serve the publishers and not the players. Um, and I think we're kind of seeing a lot of the, you know, ends of that road on, on in the mobile space right now. Um, even outside of gaming per se, just with, like you said, the gamification of stuff like Duolingo, some of which is good if they're kind of scratching that itch to promote something worthwhile, like learning some of which is bad when it's stuff like ratting on your neighbors to the Chinese government because you need to get your citizen score up to get a, you know, loan for a new car. Um, That's not the worst thing you can rat on your government for. Just think about abortion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Sorry, sorry. That was my one. uh, No, no, absolutely. Absolutely. That's no. Enough game studios have come to Texas in the last few years that they realize, oh man, we can just totally make this into a, a fun game for our shitbird citizens. <laughs> Progression um, levels. How yeah. much of an asshole can you be? Mm-hmm. Check your check you your asshole win ten thousand dollars in damages <laughs> for stealing a child from a parent. That's right. Who but no, allows them <laughs> to shop at Claire's. <laughs> Buy $10,000 of cheap jewelry after turning. I'm going to stop. I'm going to yeah, stop. Yeah. I, no, it's, I'm going to take it down a path. Sorry. Sorry. Um, I'm on one today. I'm not, I'm not in yep, the yep, brightest no. of moods today. I apologize. Uh, there's going to be some dark humor today. You're going to have to live with it. But no, I, I agree that with you that um, it's kind of, it's, it's been Portable gaming has been really valuable in a lot of great ways for the average consumer. But also, and I think this is a really interesting angle to take, which you all but said, is it's also been incredibly valuable for the uh, developers and the, the companies and the shareholders. It's yeah. been incredibly valuable because, I mean, mobile gaming spawned from portable gaming. And those mobile games make money hand over fist they're making Mm -hmm. these corporations and these shareholders so much money so yeah of course it's valuable for the consumer but it's so much more valuable for the um creators of the billionaires yes (laughs) not to get too far into that but yes to be clear it's not valuable for the creators (laughs) that's you know it's probably true so it's it's going to be interesting to see the future of portable gaming, and I'm going to lump mobile gaming under that because that is a version of portable gaming. It's going to be interesting to see where that goes in the next 5-10 years because yeah. I could see it going down two main pathways with, I'm sure, some intersecting or interspersed other smaller branches, but I could see this, this um, growth of 
technology within portable gaming because I think the Switch has finally shown that there is enough technology there to make real and good and quality yeah. portable consoles. And the Steam Deck is only going to, you know, it's not going to have the same growth as something like the Nintendo Switch. But technologically speaking, it's going to take it even a step further than the Switch in a lot of ways. And we'll yeah. see a lot of growth th- in that lane. Yeah. I think I think if they kind of iron out the kinks, it could get there. Because the biggest issue, kind of like we've, we've said before, just in the PC space, is just... Because nothing's standardized, trying trying to work out solutions for any problem you have is kind of going to be much more of a bespoke solution to some of these right. problems. Whereas, like, oh, there's something going on with my Switch. Okay, go, you know, send it off to Nintendo support. They'll they'll fix it and send it back. Um, help me, or, Miyamoto. Or whatever. You're my only but, hope. Um. Anyway, the the Steam Deck could kind of change outlook on that and especially if if we see a switch 2 which my guess is they'd be aiming mm. for nearly identical specs because the, the steam deck basically just is a ps4 so it's yeah. you know a handheld one gen behind which is identical to what the switch was just a but handheld just, one gen behind it's got to do it again um like i i honestly expect any Switch 2 to basically be near identical specs to yeah, that Steam Deck at this point. But with the upside, kind of like we've been saying before, like like you were mentioning, with if if Microsoft made something like that, uh, of it having, you know, a very reliable, um, you know, environment for it to run. Um, you know, for you to be able to buy games from their storefront and it, have everything be guaranteed to work on this system, sort of a, a situation. Um, right. It, if I had to say, like, what what a Switch 2 is, which, again, I've said it a million times, I'll say it again. It, it, call it the Super Switch or don't do it at all, cowards. Mm-hmm. Um, the two, like, things that... Release the, the butthole cut. Release the butthole cut. Uh, the two things that a Switch 2 needs to have are... One, as Josh said, it needs to basically be a Steam Deck spec-wise. And the other thing I think you put in is a second Switch. The dock should still totally be a thing, but you should also be able to stream it over Wi-Fi to TVs. Yeah, I I think that'd be a good feature. Like, you can continue using it as a controller and just stream it to TVs over Wi-Fi. That... That has to be an easy enough thing to just implement into a new dock hardware, because um, I don't I see you. why you wouldn't be able to do it. Like yeah, it seems the, like the a new TV that, that I just got, you know, thanks to no will of my own recently. Every time I turn on a YouTube video on my computer now, it's like you you want to send this to your TV. I'm like, yeah, no, no, no I absolutely my, don't. But it's cool, I, I, and I just can. I do that all the time, man. Like yeah. it's I. That is a great thing, and that is, a, like, that should be a... Th- and you know what it is? Like, the dock should totally still be a thing, because it'd be cool if I'm, you know, you're at your buddy's house, and you could just throw it up on the TV, knowing, hey, it's not going to be as steady of a signal as if I had plugged it into the dock, but we can get it on a TV if we want to. When yeah. you guys come to Japan later this year, can we all dock? <laughs> um, uh, I, I'm going to need to see your penis first. I have a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you. 
I sent you the Paris picture already. Pictures are not ex- like I'm not gonna work with a picture. I'm not gonna commit to anything having only seen a picture. Yeah, no, we, we need extremely unflattering fluorescent lights. Yeah, and very many of them. This needs to happen in a Motel Six. <laughs> There's no Motel 6s here in Japan. Well, I guess it's not happening. No, no, like this thing, this thing better have the just ego destroying lighting of a bicycle aisle in a Walmart. It's next to a golf pencil for size. Yeah. I'm going to make sure that I get the smallest spotlight and a magnifying glass that goes right through it. So not only will your dick look bigger, but your penis is going to get burned as well. Use the, use the Game Boy magnifying glass. Fucking why not? Bring it all back around, Rich. Bring yep. it all the way back around. What if we kissed in the Dinosaur Capsule Hotel? <laughs> <laughs> That's You realize how expensive that hotel is? I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. It's like over $500 for one night. For a fucking capsule hotel. But I mean, you only need it for one hour. Yeah. <laughs> Can two people fit in one capsule? I don't know. I've, I've yet to go to one of those capsule hotels I really want to go. You'd think you that should. would be cheaper. But That's what since you it's think, become right? a tourist destination at this point, they kind of have to charge yeah, more. You're yeah, you're not renting a bed so much as you're renting an experience now. You're renting is, atmosphere. Yeah. Mm. If you want to get checked in by the Raptor Bellhop, you've got to pay. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. But, um, so we don't retread ourselves too much or anything like that. Let's get into some listener comments. So, usually every Thursday at the Swordchomp Instagram, you can chime in on, um, the topic of the show and we will read your comments on the show and reflect on them. I got it up a day late. So if anybody was looking for that, my bad, but, um, no, we didn't outlaw law ret reads. Um, Josh, but anyways, uh, Tawny S said overall. Yes. Just like four X and RTS games are best played on switch. I love to play indies and JRPGs on the Switch, chilling on the couch with the console in my hand. And I think that's kind of like such a great culmination of that with our society. We're able to pop on whatever streaming service we use and we're able to, you know, have it in the background and game. I think that's kind of like the epitome of luxury in the, in the 2020s, right? Is there any more luxur- luxurious way to exist? Bueller? I didn't hear what you had said first because I was checking on the dog, so I didn't want to agree to anything I didn't hear. Oh, oh yes, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, Tawny S said basically he loves playing indies and JRPGs on his couch with yeah. the console in his hand. And I said, is there any more representation of luxuriousness than playing a console in hand watching your favorite streaming service? Oh yeah, agreed. Like that's one of my main arguments again like for handheld gaming is like 90% of my Switch gaming is done in handheld, but it's not done on the go. Sometimes I just don't want to sit at my desk. I want to lay in my fucking bed and play Stardew Valley. 
Yeah, yeah, no, like, I... Same. Like, a lot of the time, I'm playing my Switch, or I've got my backbone connected to my phone so I can stream stuff from my computer just to go to the other side of the house. Hmm. Uh, yeah. I think we, we yeah, talked like... about last year, I was doing all that streaming. I was playing a bunch of Paradise Killer, just, like, having a drink on my patio. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, it's, I, it's great I like for to... anything that doesn't require... Well, actually, the Switch is basically identical experience as far as, like, latency is concerned. So you, you can play whatever on there and it's fine, but, like, especially the streaming from Steam, like I mentioned before, like, the Twitch gaming is not perfect No, you on don't that, wanna... but it's great for anything where that doesn't actually matter, like story-based yeah, right. or RPG or whatever. Sure. Yeah, baby. But also, I think it's great that I can, if I'm playing a game on my Switch and it's docked and suddenly, fuck, I gotta take a shit. Oh, Unhook yeah. it. Go take a shit. This is the height of luxury. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does it get any better than this, ladies and gentlemen? You ask no one. So you're I, I, there I would love to do a 1950s commercial of the Switch. Your wife being a bitch. Well, take your video game console to the toilet with a new Nintendo Switch. Smoke a cigarette in there. Enjoy as she bangs on the door. The new as Nintendo you slay in Hades yet again. The new Nintendo Switch. She'll call you when the roast is done. This is a terrible time to be a human being. <laughs> Man, I really want to go in on just world topics today for some reason. But anyways, let's move yep. on to FHM Sandwich. Or Sandwich, rather. I never use my Switch off the dock, so portable gaming for me is a no thank you. Interesting. That's interesting. Like, not that we can personally ask Sandwich about this right at the moment, but what do you think is the merit for playing docked over handheld? In this particular instance. I mean, you don't have to worry about the batteries running out. That's pretty much it as far as I'm concerned, yeah. I, I might... See, it's funny to live on the opposite end of that spectrum because there is a thick layer of dust coating my Switch yeah. dock. Well, that that and you don't have to find somewhere to set your Switch down because that Pro Controller is just outstanding. Yeah, I mean, I have that Hori Split Pad Pro and yeah. that thing is fucking great. It's yeah, like having, that, that kind of does a similar job. Yeah. Yeah, that... Jeez... I lo I loved the uh the Wii U Pro controller as well. But so like, did I. They they, so did even, I, man. they stepped it up past that. Well, except for they they switched back to that Xbox style stick layout. I I still think that that Wii U sticks on top like opposite of a PS of a PlayStation of a Sony controller. There was there was something special about that. See, that you know, that's that's, a, that's is... a great layout. I, I like either of those because it's a certain committal to like we're going one way or the other. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. I don't dislike the Xbox layout. The Xbox layout's fine. It feels natural to a certain point and I understand it. Yeah. But I like a PlayStation controller's feel as far as thumbstick placement, and I also really like that Wii U Pro controller. Yeah, I I, I think they made a mistake going back to the Xbox style for like it's it's fine. It's not bad, but they had some. That that Wii U arrangement was was pretty great. Um, mm. they had something yeah but I, I would also say that like whenever I played the the Nintendo Switch mm -hmm. um, in handheld mode part of that like I'm going to analyze it from a different 
a few different angles. It can be straining on the eyes to try and figure out the right angles sometimes because like a more action-oriented game, there's a ton happening on the screen. So you need mm. to get it at sometimes the right angle to be able to view everything that's happening optimally. Oh, yeah. From, from a how much... angularly screen size mm. situation is going on uh you're not you're not coming close to it playing in handheld as far as how much space the screen takes up in your field of vision that's like it's like maybe an eighth of the size that it should be for for viewing something that's like you know i <coughs> immersive remotely right um, I've got to be real with you guys. Mm. One of my optimal switch playing layouts mm -hmm. is um, laying in my bed, sitting up. I have one of those like breakfast in bed trays that I've literally uh. never used for breakfast in bed. Um, switch out with kickstand on tray, Joy-Con in each hand. There you go. That is mm. that is a great way to play your switch. That gets you closer by moving it closer than you're going to rest your hands. Yeah. Hands completely down at your side, Joy-Con mm -hmm. in each hand. It's great. It's comfort. It's the height of luxury. I mean, that's that's a, that's another point I kind of wanted to make as well, because if you're just playing like you're kind of playing in that that mode where you set it down and you're l using the little kickstand, that's probably my least favorite way to play of the three, and we've talked about this in the past. Yeah. You should go to more it's rooftop parties. <laughs> well, part of the issue is that little weedy kickstand in the original model. Um, the the is, one in the newer model in the OLED is pretty good. It's so it good. good. It's the whole fucking base of the system. Like you're yeah. you're not gonna accidentally knock it over at all. That you, was you, you can set it down on a bed change. without a tray. Like it'll just stay there. You know what is the other best part of that original design is? Hey, when you have the kickstand out, the memory card slot is just exposed. Yeah, yeah. Great design choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the the other thing with that is that I need to go get my flip flop back. You gentlemen, keep rap going on. Okay, Dark stole his flip flop. Yep, smart choice. That dog too, like me, likes thongs. But no, um, <laughs> as you're playing in handheld mode, the thing is, it is not a light console. And over time, I mean, it is yeah. still pretty light, but it is not super light, and that can be wearing on your wrists. That can be wearing on your elbows on your fingers that like if you at all have any kind of arthritis issues or um just you know uh muscle weaknesses in any areas that's going to yeah. exacerbate some of those issues from a physical standpoint so for some people that and it, again we're talking about the the switch exclusively that's not going to be an optimal way to play for some people who have those pre-existing issues or will develop issues based on playing in that handheld mode constantly that is something you have to consider as well yes i'm yes but i'm i'm pretty sure the switch added support for the microsoft adaptive controller a year ago at this point over a year ago let me verify mm. that. You might be right. I think um, you were right. I just want to be absolutely sure. Like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure they added that last. Was it last year? I'm not. I'm not sure on the time frame, but yeah, roughly around there. But right. Anyways, not that that's like anyway. Yeah. 
They could have announced that and then not done it, and we wouldn't have checked up on it because, like, you know, we wouldn't have had the controller to, to, you know, test them on it. Right. Exactly. Um, this it's it's interesting to kind of think about it from that way. So, I mean, it's yes, this as of April of last year, it was compatible. So right out of year, okay. So it's very exclusive to the Switch, but th- there's a lot of history there with portable gaming, and some people, this is their first foray. The Switch is the first foray into portable gaming. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Which is kind of hard to believe in some ways, but it makes sense as well. Um, WJ Danilo said, yes, have always loved portable gaming, and it's the only way I can get through some RPGs. It's just so convenient. I, which I think... Yeah. It makes sense for like a lot of old, especially older style JRPGs, where so much grinding was required. It's like I could fill that time up with a useless mobile game, or while I'm watching a TV show, do some grinding, taking a shit, doing some grinding, riding on the train, getting some grinding done. Imagine yeah. if we had. I'm always grinding on the train. Hot. Imagine if 25 years ago, when we were playing Final Fantasy seven VII and eight, or some of those PS1 era JRPGs which had a ton of grinding, if we had a portable console to do that on the go. Yeah, I mean, we kind of did the same thing by actually having friends back when those games came out. So we just sit Speak there for yourself. And, shoot, and shoot the shit while, while, you know, doing all that nonsense. Yeah, and, I, was, uh, I was sitting in a room with a bunch of other uh, people doing drugs while, while fighting Emerald Weapon. Mm-hmm. But, but no, yeah. kind of like you're saying, I do that a lot just the second screen even for just pc games like anytime there's something i think more or less mindless going on i'll just kind of zone out watch a tv show and then oh there's there's a story section coming up let me let me let me pause what i'm watching you know watch the story section and go back to the you know the mindless part of gaming to be fair josh i think mmo culture instilled that in both of us be like i'm gonna quest and wow and fucking watch arrested development (laughs) exactly yeah yeah it's it would have been interesting to see that that kind of era be portable for sure. But mm-hmm. I mean, we kind of have access to it now and we can re- retroactively go do that. Yeah. And kind of even going backwards at this point, there are enough, you know, everyone's got a phone. So if you're watching, don't you play, guys have playing, phones? playing a game on the TV or whatever, you can turn on a YouTube video or whatever and ignore your family. Your like you, you You've got so many options for having multiple screens going There's on. There's so at this many screens that, you know, it's it's not so much a perk of it being mobile anymore because like there are ways to kind of get a similar experience, you know, in any number of of configurations at this point. Um Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, definitely. Too many screens sometimes. I think all the screens, just all screens the screens. Is that I've sent you guys that one I always love, where it's like me at work. I can't wait to to leave so I can stop staring at the bad screens and go home and look at the good screens. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Uh, uh, JT Ruiz said, "Just wait until XCloud gets more popular. The opportunity for streaming is huge, and portability is going to be a huge factor in the future." Um, I don't know much about XCloud. Do you? Do you guys? Yeah, I mean, we touched on that a little earlier with what I was saying about, like, Microsoft having a tablet and how, like, you can already stream to tablets to your phone with Xbox with a ton of stuff. That stuff's impressive now if you opt into it. Like, it's only going to get better. 
Yeah, I still think kind of the, the, the main issue with that is just the absolute dog shit state of the infrastructure in the United oh, States. Oh, yeah. Um, everywhere else in the world, it probably works just fine already. But we're just such I, fucking simps for capitalism in this country that our internet is a train wreck. Sure, um, I mean, I... <laughs> it's so funny, as you were saying that you, your Skype video froze. As you were saying that. It, exact, it, fucking exactly. <laughs> and this is the best internet I can get at this address now. I have now the luxury of having always lived in a city Jesus with Christ. one of the best internet infrastructures in America, mm -hmm. but I know it's fucking terrible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, I know, you know, it's, it's terrible in everywhere between New York and California because none of those places matter. Exactly, exactly. And the only reason it's good there is because... A couple decades ago, Google got bored, and you're like, what if we just made an internet? Yeah, and just somewhere in the middle, you know what it is? They can't be bothered to make good infrastructure there, because we're all walking around, and people come out to me, and they're like, hey, what happens in the middle of America? I'm like, I don't know, I think we make, like, corn and Bibles or something. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. and meth, I'm sorry. And wheat, actually. Um, that sounds made up. I've read the recent reports of that, but yeah. Anyways, he's saying weed. We yeah, make that wheat. here too. Now we buy wheat. most of our wheat from Russia at this point. We 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 swap not anymore. We don't. that out until uh, we make soybeans now. I love corn and soybeans. Hemp bread. Look for it on the shelves in 2023. Looking forward to it. I mean, be more I'm sustainable. Sorry. sorry for the weird angle I'm at. I have to like hold my dog's hand, or he's gonna freak out. No, you're good, man. Hold. Hey. Don't ever apologize. Yeah, that no. dog is only here if for ten years. If my dog had a hand, I'd hold it too. <laughs> huh? <laughs> <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He, no, he, um, I, I have to do it because there's a gun in the other hand. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, your dog's only here for so long. Spend time with him. It's okay. Wow, you're just really bringing the mood down here. Yeah. No, I'm I'm lifting it hand. up. I'm... He's gonna die before you know it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Hold his hand or you're gonna die. Whoa. But anyways, let's get to the last comment. <clears throat> Before my voice gives out. Jesus Christ. I don't know what every fucking show that happens to me, my voice decides it mm -hmm. wants to give up. Um anyways, Dick Thickums. <laughs> hey Fletch, love you, buddy. I lo I love your name. Fletch. To me, it's a matter of versatility. A solid living room experience with a portable option. xCloud, PS Remote Play, Switch Handheld, etc. I love a platform that's versatile and fits yeah. my moment-to-moment -moment needs. The more convenient, the better. And I think that's oh, kind yeah. of really the culmination of what we're talking here, uh, talking about here um, in the past, present, and future, is that, that that has been such a big draw with... Uh, portable gaming is it's convenient and it matches moment to moment needs you need something a little yeah. bit more mindless that you can just bring on the go you usually in the past would go to portable gaming now um there's premium gaming on the go and you can you can do all forms of that to fit your needs you know um yeah i think that's going to be the future going forward like when consoles are designed they're going to have to be not exactly but something similar to the switch that they're gonna have to really think about the versatility and all the different ways that people game. That's gonna be such a 
big consideration going forward. Yeah, that's the flexibility in particular is something that has not really died off, but kind of changed because the expectation at this point is more well, we, we stream everything. Just all you need is the, the app to connect to whatever service, but like that's something I really miss from the PS3 is being able to just connect that thing to a media server mm, and sure, play whatever. Yeah. But then, I mean, gr- granted, yeah. streaming is a good solution in so many spots. Like, I am just waiting for the day that my TV supports the Steam Link app. Like, oh, that's yeah, going to be a right? fucking game changer. Yeah, that'll be huge. Just being able to connect your controller directly to it and be like, all right, now I can just play with anything on my stream library right from here. Could yeah. you imagine if, like, the Google Glass thing that you guys remember that, like, seven or eight years ago? The dog has really a wiffle ball bet. Yeah, if they, if, they, if they really actually took off with that and we actually had gaming on our glasses and we could just yeah. bring a controller with us on the go. Man, I keep getting an ad for a fucking Kickstarter that's promising that, but the ad is just the shittiest looking. Oh, I keep like, seeing that one, too. Like, fucking... It's like a, a early two thousands public television, you know. It's a mock up made in movie clip art type thing, and it's like, really, you're you're asking me to give you money for a tech item with this ad, but here's an idea. I had an idea. I got this idea from an episode of Black Mirror. I saw half of right. That's that exactly. <laughs> that is one hundred percent the vibe of that commercial. Um, I only saw the first half. I hope it all works out in the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> I like your laugh into just sad acceptance, Josh. <sighs> I think that's how all my laughs have ended <laughs> a good decade. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. That's Sex right. watch. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a sundial. Never mind. Yep. That's my penis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look down at my wrist. <laughs> Memento Mori. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> He said something about Italian art. <laughs> what? Ezio, where are you? It's just a picture anyway. of a plague doctor. I don't know what to do. Speaking of Plague's Tale Requiem next month, can't wait. But anyways, let's go on break. Yes, Thanks uh, to everyone for your submissions on the topic. That was actually a lot of fun and some different angles to look at it from. But yeah, we're going to go on break really quick. Uh... Rich is going to feed his dog some more peanut butter. And um, I'm going to go cry in the bathroom. We'll be right back. Psst, Shay. Shay, you there? Yeah, what's up? I don't know if Josh can hear us. I hacked into his edit of the podcast so we could plug the other shows. Quick, we got, you got to tell me what kind of new shows we have on the horizon. What's going on? What's in the feed? Okay, so it was like I was saying to my friend the other day that freedom isn't free, bitch. That's a reference for no one, but that is hilarious. <laughs> but that's not why I'm here. That's not why I'm here. I'm here to tell you about new episodes of Evoking the Sublime. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that podcast that I recently got three new episodes up on. Yeah. Thanks for pitching that, man. Thanks for plugging that. No, I am legally obligated to. Well, I heard you got some episodes up on uh, Jumping at the Bits. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we got a new one up on Kirby, where we talk about all about his history, his first two games in depth, and his just general facts about him overall. Oh, oh shit! Here comes Josh. Uh, Josh, we were just we were just telling the people about uh, Chomping After Dark and nothing else, like you requested. Maybe maybe you could tell them a little bit about that. Chomping After Dark. Yeah, yeah you, you remember that? In- yeah, you know that one. 
while I'm editing. H- how did you get here? It's not important. The point is, Chopping After Dark is a show where we spoil video games and sometimes movies. I heard we do comic books occasionally and TV shows, too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Occasionally we do do those things. Yeah, and you said doo-doo. <laughs> I did say doo-doo. It's funny because it comes from your butt. <laughs> that's right. Um, well, anyways, Josh, we'll let you get back to editing. Sorry about interrupting you. How did they even get into this edit? Hey, what's up, everyone? We're back. We're going to talk about some video games. We have a shorter video game list this week as um, Josh took a sabbatical to build a great monument in honor of video games. And um, I didn't play very many video games this week. I played one. And thankfully, um, there's someone else here who played it as well. As I finish my time with Trek to Yomi. I could finish a Mai Tai. Oh, my I would time. Love, Sorry. I, I would love that. a Mai Tai. <laughs> Easy mistake to make. Yeah. Easy mistake to make. I no, tra- started Trek, Trek to Yomi. Good job, um, man. I'm a few You're hours about in. halfway through it, aren't you? Yeah, just about. From ba- based on what you've told me. Sorry, this dog's got to stop dropping toys at my feet right now. You're fine, dude. You're fine. But no, I, I have since finished the game. I talked a lot about it last week. So I'm probably not going to talk about it too terribly much as to avoid spoilers but i will i wanted to say a few things about it um after i get kind of some more of your thoughts rich because like like i said i talked about it pretty extensively last week but um i kind of want to give you some time to reflect on it a little bit more now that you put more time into it yeah um i mean i don't think i have like a ton to add but like as far as thoughts go i do think the art direction on this game is really good um I'm noticing the same thing you guys brought up last time about how obviously like some of the faces don't seem great, but that's not really the point here. So I'm not super concerned about that. Um, I I'm noticing more and more as I play more and more of this game. Uh, Josh had talked about how like that block like trivializes the turnaround mechanic. And I just don't feel like I'm parrying or blocking that much at all. I feel like I'm just kind of watching the easy patterns of some of these guys and being like, I'm just going to step forward and slash this guy twice. Like there, there's a lot of like in depth. That was a dog biting my hand. Uh, (laughs) There's a lot of orgasming. (laughs) Well, I was, but both. I don't see how those things are mutually exclusive. Um, (laughs) uh, I feel like there's a lot of cool mechanics in place but none of the enemy AI seems like intelligent enough to force me to use almost any of them. It doesn't really come into play until near the end of the game. That's unfortunate. Um, I, I had messaged, I had messaged you guys privately asking if you had gotten to a certain enemy type yet. And after that chapter, then you will start getting enemies that require you to really use some of those abilities, which is interesting because the game gives them to you so early so in some ways it's like why would the game roll these out so quickly well it gives you time to kind of practice with them which can be a positive or a negative depending on how you view it but um there are definitely some enemy types later on that you will need to have mastered some of those turnaround abilities and some of those blocking abilities Sure. I, I feel like there's not an incredible use case for them a lot of the time so far but I hope that changes and I don't think like, I'm just trying to, you know, point at the criticisms and things I've noticed. I, for the most part, I yeah. think this game is really fun thing to just kind of sit down and let yourself be enveloped in. It's really pretty. Um, I'm interested in the story that takes some weird, unexpected turns. 
Um, it uh, there are elements in the story that I did not think this is what this game was at all, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, like when you hear the when you hear the name Trek to Yomi, you don't really know what Yomi is or what to expect per se. But as you you're told pretty early on. Right. I'm what I'm saying before you guys get any more. Give me any more sass. Let me finish what I'm trying to to. say. I'm just I was just saying it established the game itself establishes it. I know it does. But what I'm saying is you don't expect like when you go in that direction, the turns that it takes are not what you'd expect. Yes, you know where it's going, but you don't expect the twists that come with that journey. No, no, not. No, I would agree with that. And when you initially hear the name Trek to Yomi, you don't know what Yomi is. Yes, when you boot up the game, you are told pretty early on. But when you hear the name Trek to Yomi, you don't know. The average person in a Western culture is not going to know what that well, means. That, that's what I was going to actually correct you on, Shay. I was, I was going to say, because I, I know what you're trying to say, which is that I don't think most people, especially in a Western audience, are not going to know what Yomi is and what the meaning of that title is. Yeah, that's what I just said. So thank you. Well, no, no, I was waiting. I, I understand that. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I get you took a long time to get there is what I'm saying. Well, you guys know that that's who I am. I'm the guy who takes a long time to get to saying what he's trying to say. All right. <laughs> I'm actually just giving you shit. I'm not mad at all. I don't give a fuck. But uh, no, uh. Yeah, so it, it you're right. It definitely does take some unexpected turns. And I think that it's... And this is something that I kind of mentioned last week, that I think the story is pretty par for the course for um, Eastern Asian culture, and specifically Japanese culture, that this is a pretty by-the-book story in a lot of ways. There are some slight twists and turns. But that's what I think makes it so valuable for a Western audience, is that you are getting this exposure to Eastern and Japanese mythology and um, stories. It's more myth-laden than it would pre- appear to present itself to be at the outset from what they've shown of this game. Right, exactly. When, you, when we saw a lot of the trailers and stuff like that um, leading up to this game, there were hints of that, but it's... No, nothing the, substantial. Right, it's a lot more entrenched in mythology than initially led, than I think the trailers initially led to believe, and I think that's a good thing. I think that's to the strength of the story. So, um, I, I will one s- quick second, guys. I'm so you can keep going. I just want to let you know I'm going to slip away for half a second. Okay. I, I like to kind of expand upon what I've said last week. And to me, this is kind of just like wrapping my thoughts on this game very succinctly again with no spoilers is that I do think that it takes a while for the average player probably, and maybe I'm wrong about this. Uh, Maybe it's just a me thing, but I took a while to kind of get the blocking and turning down um, kind of all those mechanics that they introduced because each character that you fight against, you are, you are fighting a surplus of them per chapter. And then they start throwing new enemies slowly. And then there comes a point towards the end of the game, as you can imagine, and this is in the style and the vein of a lot of older games, like a Streets of Rage, for example, where it just starts throwing all of the enemies at you at once in different waves. And you really have to have the blocking and turn mechanics down. If you don't, 
it makes that last uh, chapter very difficult if you don't have those mechanics down. And by the time I had gotten there, I thought I had them down and I didn't. It's and, good to know because I definitely don't have them down where I'm at right now. Yeah, so it's it's a it's it's a struggle. And honestly, um, I had finished the game first thing this morning. I I was at the last boss, and so literally I turned it on, beat him, and finished. That I I struggled with that last boss for a while just because I didn't have the full blocking and turning mechanics down. And so it took me like a good 10 minutes to just practice and just die over and over again until I finally got it, got it down. And then once I got it down, to be honest with you, the boss was very, very simple. If you have the blocking and turn mechanics down in this game, the game is extremely simple. Um, yeah. To be honest with you. The... I've been playing it on hard, trying to get it to, you know, like, all right, let's, let's say so actually have to interact with the combat from the beginning. Sure. Um, downside of that being the block just doesn't work through some of the boss's chains, even like the first boss. Um, so it's way more about actually getting the parry timing and the parry just doesn't work in this game. It's, it is, the timing is so fucked. Um, yes that i i don't know like I, I like the to- like there, I, there, I will say there this. are mechanics oh, in this game that are just not fleshed out enough there's a dodge that's 100% worthless uh like the dodge does nothing it's too slow to actually avoid everything you get no iframes it's a spacing tool and a bad one I forget the dodge is there. That's how useless it feels. Yeah. The parry should be a great option, but the timing is just not good enough to make it do its job. Uh, And so the game boils down to being more about blocking and or just barely spacing outside an enemy's attacks uh, to try to save your stamina because you can't block anymore, Uh, which is fine. That's a cool mechanic, but... The game's not really built around just doing that. It's just that those are the the reliable tools in the game. I I, I would I would yeah. say I mostly agree with your point because I struggle a lot with the blocking, and that's actually how I beat the final boss. Mm-hmm. So it's really pivotal that you have that down when you get to the last boss. And actually, dodging does play some of a role in that last boss. But what's frustrating is to get to that point, a lot of those mechanics either work or they don't and a lot of times they don't work more than they do and it's really frustrating because there are some enemy types that you really benefit from blocking and then there's others that really don't and with with the fact that granted there are some really generous checkpoints in this game i will admit that that's something that i didn't really talk about last week as you get further in the game they become much less generous and when you get hit Sometimes an enemy can take three or four chunks of your health, or I should say three or four hits, and just takes good chunks away from your health. And that only gets worse as the game throws more and more waves of enemies at you, which are bigger and bigger, and the enemy types, which can deal even more lethal damage. So it can be really frustrating at times that there are certain enemies that, oh, I can roll roll, um, underneath and then get to the other side to attack. Some of the, some enemies you can do that with, other enemies you can't. 
And that stuff isn't signposted very well. Granted, there's a trial and error aspect of that. But then with yeah, how many in it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's confusing. Like sometimes I think even part of the then, issue of that is that almost nothing in the beginning can be. It's like. Exactly. You, they, they give you this mechanic like, here, you've got a roll. Don't use it for the next four hours. But remember, it's there. Uh, yeah and that's that's kind of like the frustrating thing is like that's not a case of where i can practice using it for when i truly need it it's like yeah i i'm not supposed to use it until i really need it or it's useless or there, yeah there's just no use case for it and then all of a right. sudden it's like oh this thing is now vital and that's like the opposite of good like game design because what you want is iteration on the thing the tools you're being giving and learning to use them perfectly and then having this you know epic fight where it's like okay all those skills come into play but it's like no this thing that was basically useless for the bulk of the game is now essential to my victory here and that sucks yeah it's it's not the greatest and to be honest with you i've been like all the criticism that we like we've been talking about at this point i've been accepting of it or i accepted it to some degree the part that really frustrated me is that most enemies um for example if you parry them Mm -hmm. um, at the right moment you can get a counter strike in or if you yeah. turn them around you're able to get a strike in when you yeah. guys get towards the back of the end of the game and i i don't know how this is a spoiler because it's a part of the combat but if it's a spoiler plug your ears i guess <clears throat> there are a few enemy types where you will parry them opening up their guard and in theory the game has taught you that you can attack at that, that point. That you should strike now. That you should strike. There are a few enemies that you do that, and they will strike first, counteracting you. Jesus Christ. Or they will, or I, they will block you, or, they, or you will just miss because they will back up quickly. De de enough. Depending on how that's <clears throat> issued, I don't that necessarily could always be think... be interesting. Yeah, it, like subverting your expectations, but if all of a sudden there's just like these five enemies... Like, Introducing an enemy type that does that is a yeah. cool idea. It's that that's actually kind of the basis for the combat in the original Prince of Persia that I love. You get enemies that you have to parry them. Like there's a block, but the block is literally just a parry window. It's like block, like it's 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 you raise yeah. your sword for like a quarter of a second and then you block. So you have to really time it. And as mm. the enemies get harder later on, they'll block your counter attack to that swing. So you'll just go back and forth. It looks really cool. It looks like, you know, like a Hollywood, you know, swashbuckling like a choreographed sword, fight, sword fight. Yeah. Uh, which is really cool. I've not really seen a lot of games based around that in a long time. The idea of, okay, you're just going to go back and forth parrying stuff. Um, and, and there is something inherently cool about the idea of it sounds less like well pulled off and less completely intentional here of like, all right, we spent hours training you how to do this thing. Now we're going to introduce an enemy type that completely counters that idea. And you have to like break that habit when it comes to this enemy type. But it, yeah. do it doesn't sound like it's quite as eloquently pulled off as that. Hmm. Yeah. Right. I mean, it would be neat if it was like, if it was like that Prince of Persia thing, like, okay, you, you counter attack and then they parry that, but then you parry their counter attack to your pair. Like it could be really neat all of a sudden out of nowhere, but I don't know. I'll, I'll have to see once I get there if it's possible to do that or if it's just a matter of, no, just remember not to ever counterattack this enemy. For, for me, like, a lot of the enemies, when that, those kind of things came up, I was, yeah. I was on board with it for the most part. I think for me, the last boss, there are some mechanics that you've used the whole game and they're, they're, the game has taught you to use them in a certain way. 
Yeah. And then the final boss is like, all right, throw some of that stuff out and try some, something completely different, which mm. at times frustrated at me or frustrated me and at times made me like want to kick the boss's ass more. So it was the, the last boss is probably for me the f- most frustrating part of the game. It was a great boss fight. I really enjoyed it. But also there are some of the most frustrating aspects of that last boss fight. Mm. Um, and I don't want to spoil why exactly. I'll be curious yeah. to kind of hear your guys' thoughts if you felt similarly or not. But um, to not, you know, like talk too negatively or retread um, too much of what we talked about in detail last week, it is a good and fun game, objectively. I, I you know, if somebody put a gun to my head and said, put a score to it, I'd probably put it at about a 7 of 10 if I were to put a score to it. Um, because there are a lot of things I like about this game. There's a lot of potential in this game that I, I don't think is fully realized, but it has a lot of really cool and interesting concepts. Uh, the art design and the, the, mm-hmm. um, the story are the standouts for me. Um, the, the combat is at times really fun and sometimes repetitive and frustrating. I, I really like the various enemy types. Um, there's a lot, excuse me, there's a lot to like about this game, but... Um, there are definitely some frustrating aspects to it too, and it could have it could have been more polished in terms of combat, in terms of some of those character models that look a little rough at various points in the game. But yeah, I think it's I think it's worth your time to play this game for sure. And at least if you start it, finish it because it, it's cool to see the ending. And there are multiple endings as well. So um, I was asking Rich. Um, I was asking Rich about it before the show. He hasn't quite got to the point where he can make the choices. Neither has Josh. So I'll be curious to kind of hear their their choices as they get to that point. I do fully intend to to message you uh, when I get to that to find out what you did because I do want to do something different. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to discuss those with you and kind of hear how your guys' endings played out because mine played out in one way. and. If you guys pick the other choices, it'll go in very different routes. So, cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, let's move on from that. Um, Rich, you played some more Phantom Brigade, I believe. You played yeah. it last week, right? Yeah, I've played a lot more um, since the last time we talked about this, and I'm probably going to have a, a written preview up uh, sometime probably late next week. So I wanted to just talk about it a little more. Um, I finally got to the point where I, I think I was starting to understand Phantom Brigade mechanically in a way I didn't in like my first hour or two with it, at least not well enough. So I was like, all right, I'm going to restart this and kind of have better resources for this run and feel better about it. And that was absolutely the right choice. Um, for uh, people who didn't hear it last week, I talked about this. This is a mech t- uh, tactics game that uh interestingly enough the the way the timeline works in this tactics game and i absolutely love this is your mechs are equipped with something called the probability matrix so you can predict what the enemy is going to do on their next turn unless you do something to drastically change how they are going to respond um and your actions sort of play out on like a for anyone who's ever done video editing it looks like a video editing timeline and you're seeing like mm. representations of where your mechs are going to go and stuff. Right. So, and it's a game where when you hit execute, all your units act at once. So you need to make sure like your units aren't going to collide with each other or be cross firing on each other. There's a lot mm. to manage. Um, 
And as I got a little more comfortable and started to understand how you could sort of, you have X window of time to work with, which is like a, an action takes, I believe like a minute or something like that. Um, so if I want to move my mech to one position and a different mech, another position, but I keep finding at this point in the timeline, they're colliding. What I need to do is either one, make one of them wait, or once you realize how much freedom you have in that timeline, you can kind of go, okay, well, I'm going to have him move here. And then I'm going to stop that movement here and then have him change directions just to make sure they don't collide, but he ends up in the same spot. Um, you can also, you know, do multiple attacks as long as they fit in the timeline. But you also need to make sure your mech isn't going to overheat. You have a temperature gauge and you'll see mm. as you place mm. actions in temperature is rising. And if my temperatures get critical, I'm going to take damage. Um, so th- there's so many numbers going up and it's a huge balancing act. But once you've played like a couple of rounds in a run, I'd recommend for anyone starting this, like do that, start to understand how the game works and the resources in the overworld you're going to have to manage. And then just start it over because I had a much better experience doing that. Um, You start with two mechs. At this point, I now have four because I was able to conserve my resources to the right place to start building new mech frames and recruiting new pilots and it's in early access on Epic. The current goal right now is to retake the capital. Basically, you're moving through territories, attacking enemy bases and capturing cities. Hmm. I've captured basically two provinces back at this point, which are two big portions of the map. But there's like at least 25 to 30 provinces. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, but I'm really enjoying it. I really enjoy the aesthetic of like scrapping materials from after a battle that you can use to get new mech parts or constructing new mech parts. All the mechs have a really cool look. I can't wait for the modding scene for this game to take off when people are just putting like transformer parts and Voltron parts in here. Um, it's me. It, I'm people, right? Y- yep. You, I people. Uh, but I mean, it, it's, it's in early access now on Epic. I, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. This is going to be one of those games that becomes a huge time sink, but Every minute I'm playing it, I love it. It's got a great aesthetic, an interesting sci-fi world, and it is a really, really deep tactics game that has a lot of numbers moving in the background and a lot of numbers moving right in your face. Hmm. Hmm. It's for the old, you're saying it's for the most hardcore of hardcore people. It's a very hardcore tactics game. It's for the people who love XCOM, and I think a lot of things about this are actually more complicated than XCOM, but it's, it's a very cool game. Would you say that um, that the mechs have to do a lot of deep penetration? Sometimes. I mean, you, you are saying it's hardcore. It's hardcore, yeah. It's full frontal. Um, awesome. <laughs> there's some DP, there's some full frontal. Yeah, there's some, some, some TP. It's triple penetration. <laughs> I was going to say toilet paper? And Yeah, toilet paper, exactly. You get it. You only want to clean up after this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know really, I do. Uh, I actually do. I forgot to note this. I wanted to mention this because I think it is really cool. The, the battlefields are procedurally generated using like a preset of like building tile types. And they all look really cool. And the environments are all incredibly destructible. Like you can blow a hole straight through a skyscraper to try and hit an, um, an enemy if you have a gun with enough stopping power mm. and the way these buildings crumble and stuff looks kind of amazing like if you have a huge fight in the center of a city on a map like you can leave some fucking destruction in your wake hot 
Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, baby. I mean, this game sounds interesting enough. I, it's probably not something that I would play religiously or play like be like super interested in but i think it'd be fun to like try it out one time and it, it's a lot and you know they they sent codes over to us and i was drawn to this game to begin with but um i am i definitely want to i'm playing enough that i'm going to be writing a preview for it soon and then i will probably cool myself off on it for a while until it hits 1.0 and see what's changed and what that final product looks like but i'm really really enjoying what's already there it's 30 dollars yeah. on epic and i think there is already a ton there for people who like these kinds of games dope dope hopefully comes to more more systems as you said I, i'm sure it'll come to other platforms it's it's i don't know about console releases but i i could definitely see them doing that and i think they they probably should try and do that mm-hmm. all right so 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 you played one more game um, i did me 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 my time at Sandrock. Sandcock. Oh, Sandrock. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, this game hits early access on Thursday. I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but Pathia Games, uh, who's a Chinese developer who I talked to briefly at PAX, just got me into that early access a little bit early, uh, so I could check out the media build. And I don't know if I've ever talked about this, but I. This is their second game that takes place in the same world. Their first was a game called uh, My Time at Porsche, which is was a... They're related? They're, they take place in the same world. Oh, okay. Uh, the way I described it, and I re- previewed and reviewed this game over at Destructoid uh, back in the day, it was like a Animal Crossing or Stardew Valley uh, meets Studio Ghibli kind of looking game. Okay. And I'm glad they're doing more with this world because I really like it. It is a, you know, building up a town, like city builder adventure kind of game. But it's set in like this sort of ambiguous post apocalyptic world where all these settlements are known as free cities. Two of the settlements we now know of in this were Porsche, where the first game takes place, and Sandrock, where this game takes place. And these cities are all built on top of old world ruins. Hmm. So basically, you're. You become a, a builder in these cities. You have a workshop where you construct things and you are going down into the ruins of these old cities to find materials to build with. There's a lot of combat elements. Um, there's some wild looking characters because, like I said, there's a very almost Studio Ghibli-esque aesthetic to it. Uh, this game just so far from what I've played, and this is even before early access launches, so l- little rough in some spots, but... It is that first game, which I liked quite a bit, but had its problems uh, just polished up and with an, some even more interesting twists. Like one of the things I liked right off the bat, that first game takes place in a pretty atypical, like, you know, lush green foresty city area. This one takes place in the middle of a desert. So most like city builder games like this, when you start off, it's like, all right, get an axe and go gather some wood or whatever. This one's in the middle of a desert. You're not going to be doing a ton of farming. So the first tool you need to build is a hammer so you can just break rocks and stuff. Um, there's a, a big Western motif. The, the combat, which there were dungeons in the first game, so I expect them to be here, feels a lot more polished than the first one. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I know it is, Josh. I constantly use it incorrectly, though. I just don't care. <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> it. 
You can't it's shame the, someone when they've already shamed themselves. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I just don't care at this point. It's fine. Uh, I haven't been able to put a ton of time into it yet because the key only just got to me like late yesterday. Uh, hmm. but, but what I've seen so far, I'm enjoying. And there's, like I said, it's a little... I've gotten some frame rate drops in spots, uh, but that's it hasn't even launched early access yet, so I was expecting some bugs. But it it looks really good. It plays like I remember the first game playing, but better. Um, and I think the aesthetic change is welcome because there's some crazy, like really out there character designs, like this crazy looking anime cowboy guy. And the dungeons, and there were a very small few in that first game, felt a little tedious at times because combat was a little bit repetitive. The minimal amount of combat I've done so far in this one feels like they've really polished that up to make it more engaging and add more weapon types and a parrying system and stuff. Mm. Um, I'll definitely be able to speak more on this next week once I plug some more time into it and I'll have a preview going up for this, hopefully um, on Thursday when it launches in early access. But I, I, I'm really digging it so far. Cool. I mean, I, I think it's pretty atypical that you're digging a desert game. Don't you mean typical? Yeah, I'm just mocking <laughs> you. I know. Um, but at least you're digging for something. Always digging. Always digging. Always digging. Well, you know what? That's a pretty... That's gonna be it. I mean, it's a short section for Game Talk today, but... Um, game Talk! The... I mean, I think in terms of like the AAA space and stuff like that, there are not a lot of games out there or people are still playing catch up. So, I mean, it's a lot of indie games right now, which is not a bad thing. It's our day of rest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we need it. So um, that March slammed the fuck out of my asshole. So I need I need some respite. Do you need to call someone? Um, It would be atypical of me to call someone after getting my ass pounded. I mean, why would you just? Remember, I just sit there and live with it. up a little more next time. I, I just like soak my pillow with tears and then I get over it. I mean, I do that every night regardless. I'm very sad. <laughs> Fucking sad, man. Feels, man. No, but let's go on I break. I just have all these feelings. <laughs> I gotta get them out. And your dick. But anyways, we'll be right back uh, after these short messages. Uh, Josh, your face. Uh, you're like, what the fuck? What's wrong with you? Ah, the summer breeze. The sun is beaming. The waves are crashing. Life is good. Mister! Mister! Uh, m- what? Mm. What in the blazes is going on? X-Tree! X-Tree! Read all about it! Read what, lad? Spit it out! How did you find me on vacation? Swordjump has tank tops, beach towels, and much more over at store.swordjump.com Store.swordjump.com? Store.swordjump.com Store.swordjump.com Yes! Store.swordchomp.com Store.swordchomp.com Yes, damn it! (sighs) It worked. Not gonna enjoy my afternoon nap in peace. 
Hey, mister. Did you hear about store.store.shop? All right, we're back and we're going to talk about some social media polls. Every Tuesday at the Sorchom Instagram, we do social media polls. That's right. We want to get your thoughts and opinions. We want to see what you think. So we put them up there and you vote on them and we reflect on them. We call you stupid. You call us stupid. It's a pretty beautiful system we got going on here. So I, um, I'm going to read these off now. We got a list of the initial PS1 and PSP games coming to the new PS Plus network that is going to be dropping here in about a month. And I asked people, how do you feel about it? So the list before I reveal the results. So for PS Studios, we're going to be getting Ape Escape, Hot Shots Golf, Intelligent Cube, which I can't believe I called that shit, Jumping Flash, Siphon Filter, and Super Stardust Portable for the PSP. Uh, the others are the original PS1 games. And then third-party publishers, um, these are all PS1 games, Mr. Driller, Tekken 2, Worms World Party, and Worms Armageddon. So those are the initial games we're going to be getting for the PSP and PS1 lineup. So I wanted to know how people felt about it. Um, 61% of people said, not for me. And uh, 39% of people said, I love it. Um, what do you guys think about that list? It's really interesting. I'm going to get the platinum trophy for Ape Escape, but I'm surprised at how slim it is yeah, on that's... day one. There's got to be more coming, like pipeline wise. There's got to be that's significantly more coming. Very rough considering the catalog you are pulling from on there. Like Considering the catalog of first party stuff. Yeah. Just, yeah. Don't get me wrong, I'm glad Ape Escape is there. Yeah, like, Ape Escape is kind of the draw for me uh, out of that list. Like, Worms is fine, but also, like, Worms is a PC game that you surreptitiously install on every computer in your high school. Not not something you really want yeah. to, you know, I I, I would be lying if I said I didn't immediately think, because, you know, they announced also that, like, there's going to be trophy support added to these games, to go, I'm going to get the platinum trophy for Ape Escape. <laughs> Yeah. Hmm. I I was really shocked to see Intelligent Cube and the first jumping flash on that list. Um extremely surprised cuz I do enjoy both of those games a fairly considerable amount and I think I have a lot of nostalgia tied to with both of them. So I was really surprised to see because they're not very well-known games. Um they're pretty I think they're pretty well-known. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, I maybe jumping. Everybody flash. who was, I know had a PS One had Jumping Flash and yes, I was going to say Jumping Flash. Yes, because it came to the console. But Intelligent Cube, no. I knew multiple people who had it, and I had it. I didn't like super like it at the time, but I had it. I just I I don't know many people who've played that game personally. So I'm I'm I, I could be the surprised. outlier in knowing so many people you who played Intelligent Cube. Too, Rich, yeah, yeah. But, We're the um, same people that own the Wii U. Yeah. <laughs> I really, for me, I know Tekken 3 objectively is the best, probably, out of all the Tekken games. I really enjoyed Tekken 2 the most, and that's because I was the first one I played. Um, Alpha Theory? No. So I, like, I'm actually surprised, though, to see Tekken 2 and not Tekken 3 on that list. 
But I'm sure there's some weird reason as far as what they could get to run this fast. Like, yeah. I, I would bet you a bunch of the stuff that's not on there yet is because they're working on getting them to run properly. And we're, we're, there's no doubt we're going to get more stuff. I was just hopeful that it would be yeah. more on day one. That Which makes no sense to me, because, I mean, just do what Nintendo did and just, without any effort, cram an emulator that someone else has already figured out on there and just, just have it, you know. One would that. assume, but I, I don't presume to know how they're going about this, so yeah. I, only time will tell. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it remains to be seen. I imagine that they're just probably trying to get some initial games out there right now, and I'm sure there are more planned for the eventual release. And, and none of that not, stuff is bad. If, if that, I don't know what the plan is as far as that stuff goes, but like I think take a note for Nintendo here. Like if that Hotshots Golf has online support, that's a fucking home run. Yeah, I think that's part of how this is going to end up being like. If these play like identically to how they used to without any kind of quality of life, just like, OK, at the system level, we're going to do this in order to like give give then, you then give you, you know, flash saves so you can stop whenever or what. Then, then something it's not to make enough. It, yeah. Like, I, I do hope and I don't even necessarily expect that at launch, but I hope they're going to take that note of what Nintendo's done with the switch and be like, hey, in two months, we're going to push an update to that Hotshots Golf for PS1 and make it like so it supports online, online play. Yeah, because yeah. so many of those changes are like. Just little things like stuff again, like I've said, stuff that we've been working at in the emulation scene for a long time, but have, have just been overly finicky. But then just having, you know, by having it be supported by somebody like that just makes it work. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it, it doesn't take a lot to make it. Uh, like an, an, an actually legitimately cool feature and a, and a, uh, a way to play these games that has something over just pirating the thing, which is it ha- the adds way a value to do this in all It's the most convenient way. Yeah, yeah. like. When you are adding something, like, I think that's the coolest thing Nintendo has done with that library is those remix versions where they're like, oh, yeah. we made a harder version of this game and we added online multiplayer to this game. Like, that's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. That's the extra mile you're looking for and that sort of stuff. Exactly. Mm. And, and partially just having the ability and ease of use of playing it on a portable handheld was already like it was good enough just being on the switch in a lot of ways. But then they still want the extra mile. Like, OK, and let's then. Then there's also like there's what seems like the bare minimum to me, but it's like, of course, that's genius. Of course you would do that. Like when you go into Switch Online, you have uh, like I think the easy example is you have Super Mario Kart and you have a version of Super Mario Kart. That's Super Mario Kart with everything already unlocked. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 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 All right. So the next poll I did was and this is kind of what I was talking about earlier is loosely related to what we were discussing at the front end of the show another study this time conducted by researchers at karolinska institute in sweden found sweden. that found that screen time can improve cognitive abilities in children um nice try had, nerds and 87 percent of people said i'm not surprised and 13 percent of people said yeah well i'm a scientist and i call bullshit um ah. Yeah, but a lot of scientists I, listen to the show. Anyway, so like we were kind of like the reason why I said it's kind of loosely related to the topic that we were discussing earlier is because um, I was kind of mentioning that with the, the portable gaming topic that I played a lot of these kind of 
B-rate and kind of shitty games portably, but there was still some benefit to that at the end of the day. Yeah, maybe I could have been playing basketball or focusing on other things, but there has been substantial and more and more mounting evidence that playing video games does increase cognitive abilities, um, hand-eye um, perception, yeah. things like that. And so it's not all is lost. You know, I remember when my parents would be like, you should do something else. Why do you play video games so much? And it's like, I'm not really hurting myself. You know, I'm, I'm not yeah. going out doing illegal things or getting into trouble. I'm staying at home. You should be, you should be out with friends smoking cigarettes. And I was at night. Uh, actually, actually, when I was in the eighth grade, um, I, I wasn't smoking cigarettes, but I was going out looking for snipes or un, like, mm. like fully not fully Wesley smoked snipes? cigarettes. Yes. Uh, I, I too wanted to learn about tax evasion. No. Um, and well, being a vampire. For yeah. the not fully smoked cigarettes and ashtrays to try, try and look cool go. and smoke those. Yeah, uh, when me, I wasn't too, playing video but, games, uh, but also I was a germaphobe at the time, so I would I would go through those ashtrays and just grab the tobacco that was unburnt out of them and roll my yeah. own. So I was much smarter smart. than I was. Yeah, I was like ah herpes. So, who so, cares? So yeah, my my first experience, of course, was you know filterless home rolled as cigarettes. God intended. Yeah, exactly. You know, as, as every good child should. Should yeah. learn how to smoke. Go get me a pack of Lucky Strikes, Junior. Mm-hmm. You want to put some hair on your chest and some cans in your throat? R- rolled in printer paper. Have some cigarettes, Joshy. It's Christmas. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, my my st- or my mother actually caught my mother caught me doing that in the eighth grade, and so she's like, "I'm gonna go buy you a whole pack of cigarettes and I'm gonna make you smoke them all." I was like, and you no, were like, you're not. "Sweet." <laughs> I'm like, no, you're not. She's like, yeah, I am. I was like, that's child abuse. You're, you're not doing that. Yeah. Her good friend decided to encourage that. So her friend's like, oh, you're going to do it. I'm like, who the fuck are you to tell me I'm going to do something? You're not even fucking related to me. Shut up. You're not even related to me. You're definitely going to jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, um, I hope she's dead. But <laughs> I mean, given our healthcare system, seems likely. No, yeah. I really fucking hated that lady. I, I, I can tell, been. man. I can tell. I, I didn't realize. I've forgotten about that woman until just now. He just had. Yeah. Man, we're going to have to charge him for this. He's up. having a breakthrough. Yeah. Yeah. We're, let's just call, the, let's call this an hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, I think that, you know, studies like this just. They're not trying to be like, eh, well, let's one up like people who poo poo on games. It's more like the things we do do have benefits, and yes, they have drawbacks as too, uh, as well, as too, as well. They have so drawbacks. You draw, you draw. <laughs> My precious. Trixie Hobbits. <laughs> they stole it from us. They stole it from us. I can't do Gollum right now. I usually can do it. You I can can't do it find... perfect, usually. Yeah. I know. What the fuck is going on? Hold on. God, I'm there, so disappointed. There's no way I can. I guess... There it is. There, there it is. Oh, yeah, it. He, found good. It. he found it. He found it. Yeah. Stupid fat hobbits! Stupid fat hobbitses! Yeah, but no, um, these studies just like, it's it's important to look at the positives and the negatives of the things that we do, and it's it's good to be aware of them. So I think that this is a study that's not like throwing out the middle finger at people who speak negatively on video games, as even some 
um people in the gaming community might think that's what it's for but it's just for us that to just were coordinated enough to actually raise only a middle finger is, is the bigger <laughs> issue there raise anything really our fingers aren't crusted and stuck together mm-hmm. right and hardy yep 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 so um not surprised there zero surprise um just happy that there's more evidence adding to that essentially so um yeah let's let's move on to the next poll before um before you say something else offensive yeah exactly (laughs) jesus i had no idea that uh i had that in me but um i have questions about that actually for you guys after the show but uh, insomniac donated 50 thousand dollars to a women's reproductive rights assistance project a pro-choice organization and sony decided to match their donation um to which 90 percent of people said you love to see it and 10 percent of people said um bye to which of course we lost a few followers from that but you know what what i like about that is we're seeing that percentage much higher than we would have a year ago. Yeah, yeah. Right? Get lower and lower. Um, this is Josh from the Editing Bay. We uh, go on a long tangent here about Jim Ryan's email to Sony uh, discussing everyone's freedom to be idiots about abortion. My paraphrasing. Uh in which he goes on at length about his cat's birthdays and also about how he kind of wants a dog because they know their place. Uh, In initially covering this, we said the wrong CEO's name at Sony, Uh, so I'm just coming in here and correcting that for now in order to uh, save you Listening to us Googling on air, trying to make sure we've got the right one, eventually finding it, uh, and getting to this place, you know, much later and much dumber. Uh, I return you to your previously scheduled show. Anyways, uh, to jump back into the topic. Yeah, I'm just really glad to see that our fan base is kind of, you know, geared more towards kind of our line of thinking in that way. And that I'm really happy to see that money going to somewhere and hopefully it's going to be put to good use in the coming months as the U.S. faces a very, very difficult challenge. And it's good to see that some gaming studios are not giant pieces of shit. They're only the, slight pieces of shit. When their hands are forced and they have to win some goodwill. It, right. the, the money is going to a great cause, so it's a win either way. Right. It's right. just worth examining the context of everything that's happened. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we must construct additional plant parenthoods. Absolutely. My life for Iyer. Um, Who the fuck is Iyer? Bahadori, an Assassin's Creed fan, beat all 12 main entries without taking a single point of damage. Um, 68% of people said, good golly, Miss Molly. And uh, 32% of people said, get a life, nerd. 
but it sounds tough. Good, good for him. I uh, I would never do that, but uh, geez, yeah, I would never do it either. But goddamn, is that impressive? Like, could you like? I can't even imagine doing one game without taking damage, let alone fucking twelve Assassin's Creeds, which get increasingly longer and longer and longer as each entry um get made all right i guess we're not going to comment on that poll moving on yeah sorry we're still googling i uh, yeah so much googling that's disgusting i don't care what you do in the privacy of your own home yeah but i don't want to hear about it at work yeah but uh this one was more of a funny poll than a serious poll because I went and found an image online um, for that Assassin's Creed thing where it kind of had, it was like in one mega picture of all 12 main entries of Assassin's Creed in one photo. And as I was looking at it, I was like, a lot of these are edited to say ass. Assery, assery, yeah, assery. I, I saw that and thought that was actually very funny. Like, I didn't know if it was incidental. That was just the way they got cropped. And then you just happened to notice that. Yeah, yeah I know. 12 that. angry so, asses. So I, I, I did a poll. It's my favorite version said, of 12 Angry um, Men. Mm-hmm. It said, that unfortunate cropping, hehe, <laughs> and then just people voting for ass or ass. Because <laughs> why wouldn't yeah. you vote for that? But Somebody's um, got to. Right. The last poll we did today was, uh, or this week, I should say, Stephanie Beatrice, uh, which she is well known as, um, fuck, I can't remember her name. And she's in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. Did I, what's her name? Uh, oh, the character's name? Yeah. Rosa. Rosa, thank you. I always forget names. I'm terrible with names. Uh, she's, I was like, you said her name. I, was, <laughs> I didn't say Rosa, yeah. Uh, she's best known as Rosa in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. She's also a voice in Encanto as well. She's joining the Twisted Metal TV series. That is going to be... Um, a thing for some reason. For some reason, yeah. And I said, are you interested? Um... And so 75% of people, I was a little bit surprised by that number, said, I'm in. And 25% of people said, not a chance, daddy-o. Yeah, I don't know. Listen, it could end up being something cool, but the part of Twisted Metal that is aged most gracefully is certainly not the story elements of Twisted Metal. And also, I don't. I downvote anything where Dave Jaffe might get money. <laughs> yeah, I like. I will say that. Yeah, Dave Jaffe kind of fucking sucks. But I will. I will also say this. This is something that we kind of mentioned when it was first announced. Twisted Metal Black, while having a very, you know, two thousands edge lord storyline, for its time, it was actually pretty decent. It's a great Again. game. Yes, I don't think it has anything to do with the story elements. That's some bulk. Like it, it's a great me- game mechanically. I, as a child, or I should say, as a young teen, I really enjoyed some of the storylines, and that I think I would go back and look at them and be like, "Wow, these aged really poorly." Um, they're you'd, pretty. You'd win bad. that bet. You'd win that bet. But I could also like I say sure, with yeah. I, really, really, really need to go. Josh, back don't and, give yourself and, more and to edit again this week. with with your with your clown studies class under your belt <laughs> sweet sweet tooth studies yeah here's what i'll say with with the 
with the amount of narrative that goes into TV shows nowadays, and I think the amount of groundwork and uh, world building that a lot of TV shows do, that a Twisted Metal series could have a lot of potential um, to be really good, as long as it's not just filled with edgelord shit. And I don't know, I've my, seen Death Race and it sucked. And my, my biggest fear is that it is going to be just an edgelord TV show. Because I think that, you know, is what it was 20, 25 years yeah. ago. And um, I, hope I, hope they ju- I just hope they take it a different direction. I hope they know better than that. And I think you can get something cool out of a TV series where the setup is car combat competition with maybe some supernatural elements. It could also go horrendously. Only time will tell. Hmm. Yes, exactly. Like, I think if it I is think, something I think good, you 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 just remake Rat Race, but but they're all wearing juggling but with makeup. sweet tooth. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Well, I I mean that's kind of what you're saying, but also not at all, Josh. Mm-hmm. But I think the only way this is something good is if it's something that is completely unrecognizable as Twisted Metal. You'll know, like I I think don't write a new script or anything. Maybe even have just remake even Rat have Race. the original cast come back. Yeah. But, okay. Perfect. Yeah. See, I like the only way I'm going to watch it is if Axel is in it. Axel leans out the window and he goes, "It's a race! It's a race! I'm well, winning!" To be fair, Axel is the, gi- the guy with the giant wheels. Yeah, he's the one who's like basically so, like almost crucified in, yeah, the, in the so wheels. There's no, yeah, there's no leaning out the window for that guy. And Anth- Anthony Mackie's gonna play him, I assume. You racist! Uh, How does that make me racist? Because he's like the only black character in the game. Oh, I didn't even know he was black. (laughs) Assume that was was just, you know, carbon smoke. No, I just don't remember what anyone who isn't Sweet Tooth looks like in those games. Yeah, yeah, no. What about Mr. Grimm? I have no idea who that is. Fuck you guys. Mr. Grimm was awesome. They're all Which car was it? There aren't any characters. He's not a car. No, no, I'm pretty sure. Which car car are you talking about? He's the motorcycle. So you should have said just the motorcycle guy. Yeah. Thought you guys would have known better. He's the motorcycle guy, okay? Like, and you guys played Twisted Twist Metal Black, you guys said. Yeah. Yeah, I did. The game with the cars. That was like 20 years ago. <sighs> yeah, you guys are just dicks to be dicks sometimes. Sometimes. This is one of those times. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, in, you're, in, you're in it right now, buddy. <laughs> I'm always in it with you guys. <laughs> no, nah, it's all good. But no, I like I want to see some of those like classic twisted metal characters and what they're going to look like. Um I assume like cars. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I bet I bet you know, I bet I asked for that one. I, I asked for that one. I bet there'll be an ice cream truck. <laughs> uh, yeah. I would love to see like them pay homage to some of the other like lesser known characters in the series as well. Yeah. For example, like all like the ones Dark- you just named. Yeah, it's like the whole the whole series is nothing but drone shots, kind of so just so above so anyone and very but sweet far tooth. away from all the cars. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I can see how interested you guys are in the series. <laughs> I, you know, I'm probably the biggest twisted metal fan here. I am. I'm about at a 10% excitement level and 9% of wow, that is that's, Stephanie yeah. Beatrice. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's got a killer cast, like, and it's kind of like what I just said before, Shay, is I guess the reason I'm not really excited is because in my head, 
The only way it's something that's worth watching is if it's completely unrecognizable as Twisted Metal. And at that point, who cares? Yeah, I, like... I don't know, yeah, I, I, I don't know what... My, my big thing is, like, I, I kind of disagree with you to some degree on that, but I also understand what you're saying, and your point is well taken. Mm-hmm. But I... I want them to make it so it's not super edgelord, you know? I That's what I don't want. But I think tastes right. have it's- changed enough that they know better than that. Like, that would just be like shooting yourself in the foot. I'd much prefer they just make a new Twisted Metal Car Combat game that also is an edgelord. I would love a really this? good Twisted Metal in 2020. Sony Studios. Three or four. So that'd be great. That'd be they great. have that, that studio. They're making a lot of this stuff themselves. Yeah. That'd be great. But the... But the they names that they, that. the names they have attached, like like you said, Rich, uh, is Anthony Mackie. He's playing John Doe, um, Tom and Hayden Church. You're, you're, you're not giving in, the theory that any of these people Thomas are Hayden actual Church people and not just cars. Any any weight behind it? The first character you name is John Doe. I'm 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 more convinced than ever that these are all cars now. Thomas con- Hayden Church is an agent. Uh, Nev Campbell is going to be in it. And Stephanie Beatrice. It sounds like these are mostly just like placeholder names, but um, you don't know who Nev Campbell is? No, I know. Who, no, not the actor's <laughs> name, the character names. Oh, God, you scared the fuck out of me. I was like, how do you not know? Like, John, oh, I can't believe you don't remember John Agent. Doe and Agent Rich. <laughs> <laughs> like, so he sounds like Beatrice fake is names. a character called Quiet. <laughs> that's, a, that's from Metal Gear Solid. That's not even from. Uh, Thomas Hayden Church is Agent Stone, and uh, we don't know who Nev Campbell is cast as. Thomas Hayden Church is Sandman from the Spider-Man movies. Exactly. Um, Surprising his role as the Sandman. Yeah, so it it isn't um, said what her role is quite yet. But well, like Some of those names just sound like they are placeholder names on a casting call, is, is what I was getting at. Hmm. Yeah, that yeah, I, I get your point now. I'm reading so. for the role of John Doe. <laughs> I'm reading for the role of agent. They were like, um uh, <laughs> I'm to think of like what's the opposite of a tooth and I could think like the casting call name is like I'm reading for the, the part of sour bone. <laughs> Hi, uh my name is Stephanie Beatrice and I'm gonna read for the role of quiet. Hey guys, how's it going? Could you speak up? <laughs> Uh, so we can't anyways. hear you. Speak up. <laughs> what, what? What do you want from me? Whoa! Keep it down. Name? The character's name is Quiet, ma'am. <laughs> that doesn't mean you be quiet. Well, what's the point of naming the fucking character Quiet then? Well, quiet the entire line until it's freeze, dirtbag. <laughs> Which is yeah, an really, even I, older I, reference that I, I, I hope s- none of you get. I still don't understand uh, why they're putting a Metal Gear Solid character in this. It's going to be weird. Well, Josh, how about you take the advice of the character and just be quiet. And shut the Rich, fuck up. Why don't you do that, too? If that's what you want. No, I does, don't. Does quiet breathe through her, squ- through her skin? Again, yeah, she does okay, photosynthesis. Okay, okay, all right. I was, I was unsure about that. It was- Remember, that's why she had to be naked. Uh, okay, it's, okay. No, it's going to be edgy. It's going to be fuckosynthesis that she breathes through mm, getting laid. Sure. Mm, sort of an electric car thing. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> she fucks the wall, and that's how she breathes. You guys remember in Metal Gear Solid Five, you get that cassette tape of quiet humming, and it makes you a better sniper when you listen to it. Nope, never, never it's played pretty, that game. It's pretty fucking cool. I'll take your word for it, homie. But um, that's it for the polls. Uh, thank you so much for uh voting on them and listening to our mental breakdown of whatever the fuck that was i don't know what the last 30 minutes have been yeah it's it's a fucking nightmare josh i don't envy the the editing process you have for the last little bit of the show but you um, can just cut like 20 minutes of that all together uh-huh. it'll probably be fine it'll read yeah. the same we'll just cut from right from the last ad break directly into the end credits directly <laughs> in, yeah <laughs> there you go Better be safe than sorry. No, so no, there's but, 10 uh, minutes of you explaining what had happened. You're like, okay, so... so okay, first... All right, guys. <laughs> I know this is a big... Yes. <sighs> big big yeah. deal here at Sword Shop. Yeah. But no, yeah. uh, I want to say thank you so much for checking out the show. If you want more content from us, head over to SwordChomp.com where you get access to three more podcasts, um, an article section where uh, we write reviews and different... Um, kind of op-ed pieces, things of that nature. Uh, that's probably not the right word. I'm sticking with it because I'm, I just don't give a shit. Um, we also have a merch store at store.sorashomp.com where you can check out some sweet-ass merch and rep it and then send us pictures of it and we'll rep you repping it on our social media. Also, if you yes, want more daddy. access... You want access to even more content from us? Head over, head on over to patreon.com slash swordchomp where we have a bunch of different tiers and you are rewarded for supporting us. Um, right now, there's a new Chomping After Dark episode that is up for all the patrons um, that they can listen to and it is going up in a few days for the normal feed. So you can check that out if you are so inclined. But now we are going to get out of here. Um, just like Stephanie Beatrice in Twisted Metal. I'm going to end the show on a... Which car is that? It's the motorcycle. Okay. It's the one that okay. shuts the fuck up as I'm doing the outro. <laughs> I want to say thank you. Thank you to Rich and Josh for being here. I was your host, Shay. And now I'm going to shut the fuck up. Thank you so much. Drink some water and shut the f- I mean, take care. <laughs> <laughs>